listening to The Martial Brain, the podcast that explores the intersection between the martial arts, science, critical thinking, skepticism, and that wacky organ that floats inside our skulls in a pool of cerebral spinal fluid, making life unpredictably inspiring, infuriating, and sometimes just batshit crazy. I'm Jeff Westfall for The Martial Brain. An American Muay Thai Tale, Part 3. The Student Meets the Teacher. Last time, I told you about my early martial arts career and the scanty and peripheral exposure I had to the art of Muay Thai in those early days. I also described how my primary martial arts mentor, Dan Inosanto, a week after I had first met him in 1984, introduced me to the fine art of kicking tie pads, a wonderful type of training on a beautifully designed piece of equipment. That same day, he strongly encouraged me to seek out instruction in Muay Thai from his teacher in the art, Surachai Sirisut, a man I would grow to admire, fear, and eventually to love. I finally met Mr. Sirisut, whom I will call Ajarn Chai as he prefers, at an amazing martial arts camp in the Smoky Mountains of North Carolina in 1986. It was called, appropriately enough, the Great Smoky Mountains Martial Arts Camp. This annual gathering of martial travelers was a rare opportunity to learn from world-class instructors from a variety of disciplines in a gorgeous mountain setting. The camp was five days long, with a typical day's schedule consisting of Filipino martial arts with the inimitable and aforementioned Dan Inosano at 7 a.m., Penjok Silat with Paul de Tours at 9 a.m., Jeet Kune Do with Larry Hartzell at 11 a.m., Muay Thai with Ajarn Chai at 2 p.m., and boxing with Graciela Casillas at 4 p.m. The first time I ever saw Ajarn Chai in person was from on top of a tall hill, where I began my first ever Muay Thai class. I and a couple of dozen other beginners were tutored in the basics up on the hilltop by the aforementioned Graciela Casillas. Now, to give you an idea of just how much respect Ajarn Chai commanded, even at the relatively young age of 38 in 1986, Ms. Casillas, who held world championship belts in both boxing and kickboxing, and who taught the boxing segment at the camp, and who was a genuine badass in her own right, deserving of much respect, was acting as one of his assistants. While Ms. Casillas put us through our paces, Ajarn Chai worked with the more advanced students down at the bottom of the hill. These higher-level students included future luminaries of the Thai Boxing Association, like Greg Nelson, Rick Fay, Rob Kelly, Dick Harrell, Terry Gibson, and Don Guerin. Ajarn Chai was working these worthies extremely hard in the near-noon North Carolina July sun. The sounds of the cracks of their shins on tie pads was like distant rhythmic thunder. Ajarn Chai was in constant motion, correcting, demonstrating, and at times awarding punishment in the form of push-ups. Everyone received some of his attention, in some cases whether they wanted it or not 
and no student was so advanced or so highly ranked that he or she did not sometimes find themselves doing push-ups. In these early days, Ajahn Chai had a reputation for being very serious, intense, and strict. At one point, one of the beginning students near me stepped out of the training formation and took a drink of Gatorade. Graciela Casillas's eyes got large at the sight of this, and she hissed at him in a most audible stage whisper. Don't let Ajarn Chai see you doing that. It was permissible to drink during the workout, but only during scheduled breaks, not just any old time you felt like it. Had Ajarn Chai caught this fellow out of his stance, his hands not up in guard position, drinking while the rest of us were hard at training, he would have been given a punishment like 50 push-ups and Miss Casillas would have been given double that for allowing it to happen. No one, no matter who they were, were exempt from push-ups if Ajarn Chai decided that they were warranted. One year, at Ajarn Chai's legendary Oregon camp, two of my favorite martial arts mentors were there together training, Dan Inosanto and Eric Paulson. I've only mentioned Mr. Paulson peripherally in my podcasts up to now, but he, too, has an interesting story and is an amazing martial artist, and he's been a huge influence on my martial arts career. I earned the rank of representative in his combat submission wrestling MMA training system, and I plan a podcast on this grappling genius in the future. But Mr. Paulson is also an inveterate class clown and prankster. On this day at the Oregon camp, Eric waited until Ajarn Chai wasn't looking and then pulled Dan Inosanto's shorts down. Now, before you get too horrified, no one is closer to Guru Inosanto than Eric Paulson. He's essentially a surrogate son to the martial arts legend, but he did pull his shorts down. Guru Inosanto, as you would imagine, reacted with a few choice words to Eric, just in time for Ajarn Chai to turn around and notice. Ajarn Chai didn't bother to investigate who did what. He gave both men a hundred push-ups. It didn't matter that Eric Paulson was the first non-Japanese to ever win a world championship in shoot wrestling. He did a hundred push-ups. It didn't matter that Guru Inosanto was a world-famous martial arts legend, or that he was probably Ajarn Chai's best friend, or that he was completely not at fault in the matter. He, too did a hundred push-ups. Ajarn Chai was a hard man in those days, but I quickly became one of the perverse few who took to and relished his teaching method. Up to this point in my martial arts career, I had tended to be put off by instructors who were authoritarian and demanding. But some ineffable quality of this man made me want to live up to his standards. Perhaps it was knowing that Dan Inosanto had put his trust in Ajarn Chai that went a long way towards making me feel this way, too. In any case, I began following Ajarn Chai around the Midwestern U.S. in the same way that I was following Dan Inosanto, attending and enduring every seminar within a day's drive, then driving home and practicing what I had learned, and, as I got a handle on it, passing it on to my students. It became something of a standing joke in the 80s and 90s that if a hundred people attended the first day of an Ajarn Chai seminar, about 35 showed up for the second day, even though most of the hundred 
had paid for two days. Now, I don't know if it's because I was getting tougher or because I was getting even more stupid, but I was always one of the 35. I will freely admit that most times when I woke up in the hotel the morning after day one, the thought of dragging my aching, exhausted ass back to day two of the seminar in just a few hours was nearly inconceivable. I can only imagine that it might be like what a condemned man feels at the prospect of making that last walk to meet the executioner. It often took mental gymnastics to talk myself into going back, the kind that I described in detail in episode 166 of this podcast, entitled, Moving in the Moment. But I always did manage, somehow, to successfully talk myself into going back the second day, and was always glad that I did. When you finished the last day of one of Ajahn Chai's seminars in the 80s or 90s on your feet, you felt like you had really accomplished something. There was a great deal of instruction in technique when you trained with Ajahn Chai, but a lot of hard work, too. And everyone, or in most cases nearly everyone, got to experience Ajahn Chai personally, hands-on. The most frequent way this happened was when he held focus mitts for the seminar attendees. Now, when I say the word held, what I really mean is that Ajahn Chai had focus mitts on his hands, as he stalked each student in his or her turn around the training area, flashing the pads for single punches or combinations, offering corrective comments, and frequently slapping the shit out of the student with ridiculously blinding speed. Now, one of the most important abilities to develop in the striking martial arts is the one of staying focused, both mentally and visually, when you are being hit. In other words, learning not to flinch. A man I traded some sweat, blood, and technical tips with back in the very early 80s, a skilled, tough, and intelligent martial artist named Toshio Roach, had me stand still as he threw full-speed punches towards my face, using his considerable control to pull them millimeters short, in order to teach me not to give in to the normal human response of flinching. It's really unnatural for a normally intelligent human who hates being punched in the face to calmly hold his eyes open while his eyeballs are being dried out by the wind created by the sucking vortex left behind when fast punches are delivered by a skilled, grown-ass martial artist. I continued practicing Toshio's no-flinch drill through the years, and it helped me a great deal. But few people put this skill to the test like Ajarn Chai. More often than not, you simply didn't see the focus mitt coming. You just felt the stinging impact, frequently and immediately followed by several more. While this was going on, the other seminar attendees would watch, or, more commonly in the early days, keep training. I remember one particular seminar in which we were instructed to shadowbox without rest, while Ajarn Chai held mitts in turn for each of the 50-some-odd attendees. Well, as it turns out on this day, I was the lucky final victim of Ajarn Chai's attentions with the focus mitts. This means that when I faced this high-intensity experience, I had just gotten done shadowboxing for an hour and a half without stopping, without even dropping my hands. That's just one example of a moment from a seminar with Ajarn Chai in those days. But this martial arts legend has mellowed with time. Now, I do not mean to imply that he has gotten soft. 
It's simply the case that he eventually produced a cadre of instructors, each of whom were told that it was now their turn to take on the role of Muay Thai taskmaster and disciplinarian, while Ajarn Chai would shift the emphasis of his seminars to being sources of technical information. Improbably, yours truly, your humble podcaster, became one of this cadre of instructors. But that is a story that must wait for the next episode. Anyway, that's what I think. But I could be wrong. Let me know what you think, and check out old episodes of the Martial Brain Podcast at my website, rpmartialarts.com. I'm Jeff Westfall for the Martial Brain. The Martial Brain is produced by Raging Squirrel Productions in association with the Rising Phoenix Martial Arts Academy. If you like the podcast and would like to help it grow, go to iTunes or Stitcher and give it an honest rating and review. Contact me with questions about the Martial Brain or about the Rising Phoenix Academy at my website, rpmartialarts.com. <laughs>